And don't you just love it when people serve in their gifting, their area of gifting? Oh, gosh. That is so great. If you have your bulletins, I uh, invite you now to open up and uh, pull out your connection card. It's a green and white card. It's a way you can connect with us. It's a way we can connect with you. And um, take a little time and fill it out. Leave it on the pew after you when you're about to leave. On the back, there are ways you can uh, tell us uh, different things. You know, I'm sorry. Some of you mark for me to call you, and sometimes I don't call at the right time. And so I know there's a couple of people I've called and just left the message, and I, and I, and I have it on my desk. I need to call them back because it wasn't the time they marked for me to call. So uh, have patience with me. But uh, please, you know, fill that out at uh, how you're led to and have any needs. As you're doing that, I'd like to make some announcements. There's a, a meeting for the, those who are going to be working with foster children. We have a new ministry that's starting that's working with foster children in this area of West Covina. And uh, you know if you are one of those who's, who signed up, and there's a meeting after service today in room six. Is that right? Where's Ann? Oh, she's with the kids. But that's true, right? Am I right? Okay. Six, in room six. So go into our back air, back uh, by the classrooms and look for room six. And there's going to be a meeting immediately after the service. Uh, also, just uh, get, your, get your mind uh, working. We have this 5K race that we organized for the city of West Covina. And that's coming up. Um, in October, and, and I want to invite uh, anyone who's interested to attend a meeting that's going to be on Tuesday, April 26th, the last Tuesday of this month, 7 p.m. here at the church. So we've, we're, some people are coming back to that uh, to help, and if you are interested to find out more about this uh, ministry we have for the city, uh, show up at that meeting. It'd be a great time to just uh, introduce you to some things. Um, also, we have an ushers and greeters meeting. And you see at the, in, the, in the bulletin, it says uh, ushers and greeters workshop toward the bottom, Saturday, May 23rd. Uh, that's not correct. The ushers and greeters meeting is going to be um, Saturday, May 7th. May 7th at 9.30 here, and we'll keep posting that till that, till that day. So if you are an usher or a greeter, I invite you to be there. Matter of fact, I really urge you to be there. If you would like to find out more about serving as an usher or greeter, please come. At the very least, you'll get a cup of coffee and a donut. Okay. Uh, back of our program, we got a lot of announcements. Uh, look at them. We have a, a senior health seminar. We have College of Young Adult, the worship night uh, today at 4 o'clock. Um, let's see, things I haven't mentioned. Uh, youth parent meeting, high school ministry Saturday coming up. You know, a lot of neat things coming up. And today, if you are a deacon, we have a deacon's meeting today at 9.30 in the conference room. Okay? So that was a lot. That's a lot of stuff there. You know what? If you had to go out, maybe I'm talking more to guys, but I think everyone across the board, if you had to go out, you want to go out like Kobe did. Right? Oh, man. Kobe just lit it up. Who, who knew it was going to be like that? You know, you talk about this whole phrase of going down with your boots on. Man, that was really wonderful. That was neat. Okay, let's get to business here. Let's turn to Judges chapter 6. I'd like to introduce our, our character today who we're going to focus in on uh, of Gideon and read out of Judges chapter 6. Now, if you don't have your Bible with you, you know, we'll have it on the screen. 
I'm just going to read a couple of verses just to introduce us to this, to, to, to Gideon of the Old Testament. Judges chapter 6, I'm going to read 14 through 16. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? But Lord, Gideon asked, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites together. Let's pray. Father, as we continue on in this series of, of how you will, will use, you can use any of us. That, Father, these people we're, we're focusing on and studying the week after week, they're no different than us. And, Father, that's what we need to learn from you. We need to learn from you that our strength and our, and our, our, our victory is, does not depend on who we are, but who you are in our lives. So bless us, Father, and just reinforce that in our lives today. Just speak to us through your word. Make it come alive. In Jesus' name, amen. Christian Okoye, any of you guys remember him? Christian Okoye, he was a frustrated international student and track athlete at the Zusa Pacific University back in the 1980s. He helped APU's track team to achieve seven league titles. Yeah, I think he threw the discus, I think he threw the javelin, uh, he did, he did uh, uh, more your field events. But, this man felt rejection because his home country of Nigeria did not invite him to represent them in the Olympics at that time. And it really bothered him. He really kind of felt kind of lost and, and, and really frustrated because of that. And not knowing what to do next, in 1984, he tried out for the football team. Now, he never played football before, didn't know a thing about the sport. He went out there, and, and after, after going to a few practices, he said, man, this game is too rough. I don't like it. So he's going to quit. But Christian had a lot of friends on campus, and these friends came up to him. They sat him down, and they talked to him, and they convinced him after a long time that, no, don't quit. Keep on going. Keep on going. You're going to find that you, this is going to be special in your life. And, and he did. So he just persevered. He persevered because of the, the, the encouragement of his friends. While two years later, he was drafted by the Kansas City Chiefs in the NFL. Then two years after that, he was selected as the Offensive Player of the Year in the NFL. And he played six years in the National Football League and just changed his life. See, sometimes it takes someone else to see the true us. Sometimes a, a person who knows you, close to you, will come up to you and encourage you to do something, see, say something to you that's going to move you or direct you in a certain way. And realize that sometimes that's how God works. That we ourselves, sometimes we have blind spots to who we are and maybe our potential. And maybe there's sometimes God will, will put somebody in front of us who will challenge us to do something that seems beyond our, our ability or, our, or way outside our comfort range. This morning, we're going to continue our series of From Zero to Hill, and we're going to look at the early life of Gideon. And this was a man who also was very frustrated. He was frustrated until God finally 
invited him to join in to the battle. So we're going to turn back to Judges chapter 6. And let me talk a little bit about the setting here. The setting here, this is the time of the judges. And if, you don't, if you're not that familiar with the Bible, this was a very dark time in Israel's history. This is after Israel had left Egypt. God brought them out of Egypt. All these miraculous, huge miraculous things we see, you know, we read about and are, are just always talked about, everything from the splitting of the Red, Red Sea and, you know, the Passover and all this. And God leads them out of Egypt miraculously. This is after their 40 years of wandering in the desert. This takes place after the death of Moses and Joshua. You know, for if you're in Sunday school in Jericho and all those miraculous victories, this is after all that. This was a time when, when Israel was entering Canaan with a new generation of people. That after Joshua, these new generation of Israelites were pretty much in control. They were the leaders at that time. And they were told by God to possess the land. Let's read this account of them. Judges chapter 2. We're going to back up a little bit. And let's look at Judges chapter 2, starting with verse 10. Judges chapter 2, verse 10. I'm just going to read 10 to 15. Well, it's, a lot, it's quite a bit, not just. 10 to 15. You can follow up, up on the screen. After that whole generation had been gathered to their fathers, in other words, the generation of those who had seen God do these miraculous scene, things and gone through all these things God has taken them through, after that whole generation had been gathered to their father, they had passed away, another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. Then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord and served the Baals. They forsook the Lord and the God of their fathers who had brought them out of Egypt. They followed and worshipped various gods of the peoples around them. They provoked the Lord to anger because they forsook him and served Baal and the Ashtoreths. In his anger against Israel, the Lord handed them over to raiders who plundered them. He sold them to their enemies all around whom they were no longer able to resist. Whenever Israel went out to fight, the hand of the Lord was against them to defeat them, just as he had sworn to them. They were in great distress. This is the setting of Gideon. This began a cycle of what we call spiritual downfall. It repeated over and over again. It starts off with God blessing Israel. Then, then Israel falling away from God. And after Israel falling away from God, God chastens Israel. And then after the chastening of Israel, and Israel is all just, just in chaos, then they repent and they cry out to God for help. And then God comes and rescues them. And then it starts all over again. And this cycle went on for generation after generation after generation. And what we see Israel today you know, we see as a fruit of that, of all those, those generations and centuries of this repeated cycle of falling away from the Lord. So let's get into this. Let's finally get into Gideon. Gideon, let's look at Gideon because he is, 
at this point we're going to read, he is a frustrated warrior. Look at verse 11. Judges, chapter 6, verse 11. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joash, the Abiezrite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. Why is Gideon threshing grain in a wine press? Why would he do that? Well, he did this to keep it out of the sights of the Midians. The Midianites were passing, who were maybe scouting around or passing by because the Midianites, the Midians were raiders. They were marauders. They were marauders. In other words, they, they oppressed the people of Israel not by living amongst them, but they lived in a different area and any time they wanted to, whenever they had needs, food, supplies, just wanted to be nasty. They just come tearing down into this, hitting these different farms and just taking whatever they wanted. Took whatever they wanted, destroyed whatever they wanted. They did whatever they, they plundered, they raided, they took, and no one stopped them. Look at verse 12. It says here, When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. You know, when you think of when, I, when you read that, he, he addresses him as warrior. And, you, and, you, and I read back and I'm thinking, where in the world does it say that Gideon was a warrior? And you don't find anything. Gideon wasn't a warrior according to the text. But, but he was a warrior because God sees the heart. Remember when God told Samuel to go to the family uh, in, ben in Bethlehem there and to seek a king, a successor for Saul. God said to Samuel, man looks at the outer appearance, but God sees the heart. But even more general than this, God created man with a warrior's heart. I don't know if you, you really believe that or not, but man was created with a warrior's heart. Generally speaking, Guys are, are warriors down deep in their nature. They have that, 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 that strong desire to win, to capture that castle, to hoist that flag, to celebrate that victory, to score 60 points on your last day as a pro basketball player. You know, that takes heart. And the Bible, in so many ways, tells us that God created man with a warrior's heart. See, by nature, men are, are, are like warriors, they're, they're soldiers, they're, they're, they're fighters for a cause. Paul understood this. Paul understood the nature of the spiritual battle that he was fighting. And when we read in Philippians 2.25, Paul wrote this letter to the church in Philippi, and he addresses one of his friends there, Epaphrodites, and he says, Epaphrodites, my brother, fellow worker and fellow soldier. He addresses Timothy. Timothy, the young pastor who took his place over in Ephesus, as pastor in that church in Ephesus. And he writes, endure hardship with us like a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And see, being that warrior of heart doesn't mean that you gotta like football or you gotta shoot guns or you gotta get dirty or anything. You, you, you know, you can do your crocheting and you can, I mean, who doesn't like quiche? I like quiche. You know, you, you can, it doesn't, that doesn't matter. You know what being a, a real warrior deals with? 
To be a warrior, a soldier for the Lord, has to do with your insides, has to do with that depth of your allegiance, that depth of your loyalty to your Lord and God. It has to do with that willingness to join in the battle. And that's what God saw in Gideon. Gideon hid in the wine press like all the other Israelites at that time, and it was frustrating to him. He was a frustrated guy. Look at verse 13. Verse 13. But sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our fathers told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and put us into the hands of Midian. You know, we can relate to that because there are things that happen in life and, and, and sometimes our knee-jerk reaction is saying, Lord, why in the world is this happening? Lord, why didn't you stop this? Lord, why are we going through this? That's, that's, that's our human, natural, knee-jerk reaction to the things that we have to face in life. When we think of brokenness, when we think of Gideon's situation, the shift back to Gideon's situation, he looks at his country and he sees just a mess. It was chaotic. There was no unity. It was a time of anarchy where everyone did what was right in their own eyes. And he just sees his, his people just, just going down a road of confusion. And that's why a lot of people count so much on this presidential election, right? Because a lot of people see confusion in our country today and brokenness. And when, and when it comes to making change, whether it be your household or whether it be your, your, your company or your church or your country, real long-lasting change takes place when there's a change at the top. When you see change at the top. Be it a king or or or. or a president, or God. So here we have Gideon. He's saying, God, what is going on here? Why don't you do something about it? God, he sees God at the top, which is good. So Gideon's shouting. He's shouting at this angel saying, God, what's going on? Where are all the wonders? Where are all the miracles? Is this the same God whose stories I've heard over and over again? Why don't you do something about this mess? Look at verse 14. Verse 14, the Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. I Am I not sending you? Oh my gosh! He's saying, go in the strength you have and save Israel. See, that's what God is saying to Gideon, and sometimes God's going to say that to you. He's going to say, okay, you see the need for change? Then you go. 
And you don't have to change a thing. I'm not asking you to be this person or that person or change in this way or that way. You just go in who you are. But the difference is when you go in who you are, I'm going with you. See, he didn't have to be a Joshua or a Moses. He just had to be Gideon and God of Joshua and Moses would go with him. See, that's a lesson for us today, too. Look at verse 15. Verse 15. But Lord, Gideon asked, how can I save Israel? My clan is as weak as the Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. In other words, the youngest. He's the youngest, he's the youngest son. And, and, and so he's, he's doing what a lot of us would do. We will make excuses. Lord, you know, I, I can't do this. Lord, I'm, this, isn't my, this isn't my strength. Lord, you know, here I am. I'm, I'm hiding out in the wine press. Lord, you know, these Midians really aren't that bad. They're on my bowling team. I don't know. He can say whatever he wants. Try to get out of it. But the bottom line is when God taps us on the shoulder to do something in his strength, for him, it's still our decision. It's up to us. Are you going to do it or not? See, but Gideon needed a sign. And sometimes we're like that too, right? We need a sign. We need to know, hey, is this really from God? And sometimes it's kind of a cop-out. Well, if you, don't, you know, if you don't write it on my mirror with red lipstick, I'm not going to do it. Or whatever you want to say. You don't write it in the sky, Lord, I'm not going to do it. Gideon, you know, he, he needs a sign. And the Bible tells us very clearly, we should not tempt the Lord. And what the Bible is saying, you should not have to ask God for proof that it's him. But sometimes that happens. You know, sometimes in our weak and frail state, God will know our heart and he'll say, okay, I'll show you something. I'll speak to you. I'll do something. I'll be honest. I'm guilty of this. There are times I ask, I ask God for a sign. Uh, when I left Brazil to come here, I asked God for a sign. When I, when I adopted each one of my kids, I asked God for something. Tell me it's you. Tell me you want us to do it. When I, when I make some kind of investment that's going to cost some money, I ask God, God, do you want me to do this? God, does it really, you know, you got to show me what you want me to do. And so I'm kind of like that, you know, and, and so I'm kind of tempting God a lot of ways. Well, Gideon did this too. Gideon, so, so let's, let's read what happened in Gideon's life. Look at verse 17. Gideon replied, if now I have found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that is really you talking to me. So Gideon's kind of like a lot of us, especially me. Look at 19. Gideon went in, prepared a young goat. And from an ephah of flour, he made bread without yeast. Putting the meat in the basket and his broth in a pot, he brought them out and offered them to him under the oak. So he offered it to God. The angel of God said to him, Take the meat and the unleavened bread and place them on this rock and pour out the broth, and Gideon did so. With the tip of his staff that was in his hand, the angel of the Lord touched the meat and the unleavened bread. Fire flared up from the rock, consuming the meat and the bread, and the angel of the Lord disappeared. When Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord, he exclaimed, Ah, the sovereign Lord! I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. See, Gideon knows now. He knows now, and he knows basically 
you know, this is God. And so that, that, that gets him moving and moves him forward. And he starts to move as the person that God wants him to be. But this is where it gets tougher. And it always does. Once God gets your feet moving forward, you're going to find there's some times that you're going to have to do something that you don't want to do. So let's go on here. Look at the rebellious son. Look at verse 25 and 27. That same night, the Lord said to him, so now Gideon's online. Gideon said, okay, God, I'm ready to roll. And God says, okay, I'm going to give you marching orders, and here it is. That same night, the Lord said to him, take the second bull from your father's herd and the one seven years old. Tear down your father's altar to Baal and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. 27. Well, let's see. Where are we? Where did we stop? Beside it. Then build a proper kind of altar to the Lord your God on the top of this height. Using the wood of the Asherah pole that you cut down, offer the second bull as a burnt offering. So Gideon took ten of his servants and did as the Lord told him. But because he was afraid of his family and the men of the town, he did it at night rather than in the daytime. See, the worship of Baal is one of the ways God, God was angered by the Israelites for really many generations. And Asherah was the, the goddess of the sea. And they used to build a pole, like this wooden pole here. And so wherever that pole was set up, people would gather around it and worship. But they also had an altar built for Baal. And where were these things? Right in front of Gideon's home. Who do you think built it? Gideon's father. Now, can you think of something that maybe your father built, your father made, your father invested a lot of money into and you just total, you just take it down without telling him a thing. See, that's what Gideon had to do. And so here's Gideon. He goes at night. What does he do? He goes at night. Why? Because he's, I think there's two reasons. One, Gideon had a real fear in doing this. And I would too. Man, if I did that to something with my dad's, wow, I, would, I wouldn't go home. But also, Gideon didn't want to be stopped. He knew that if he did in the daytime, the townspeople, the people around in the village there, and maybe the, the servants of his father's home, they would stop him. And he didn't want to be stopped. So Gideon began to, to be, he, he had to begin his battle for the spiritual life of Israel. Where? In his own family. You see the pattern here? That's a very common pattern in the Bible. When Jesus talked to his disciples, and he said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Where did he say to start? He said, I want you to start first in Jerusalem, then Samaria, and then to the rest of the world. What was Jerusalem? Jerusalem was where they were sitting and talking. Jerusalem was their hometown. Jerusalem was where all their loved ones were. Jerusalem was where their family was, the community they knew. It all has to start there in your heart. It doesn't mean that you've got to stay there until everyone's saved, but it does mean that that's where your heart has to start is for the salvation and the life of your loved ones walking with the Lord. That's where it has to start. That's God's priority. Now, if he moves you out to 
some remote area of the world as a missionary or something like that, that's okay. But know that that's where your heart has to stop, to see your family and loved ones, people around you, come to the Lord. And that's where Gideon had to start. It had to start within his own family. So he goes and he tears down the pole. He breaks up the altar. He does all that. And you know what this says? This reminds me of this verse where, God is t- where Jesus tells about the cost of following him. And what is the cost of following him when it comes to those we love that we would just lay our lives down for? This is what he said in Luke 12, 53. They will be divided. Father against son and son against father. Mother against daughter and daughter against mother. Basically, Jesus is saying, first you, you trust in me. You lay down your life for me. But I guarantee if you really live your faith, it's not going to be smooth sailing. If you really live your faith among your loved ones, if you really, really take that stand for me, there are going to be times when there will be conflict. Because faith lived out doesn't, doesn't cause unity. It can cause division and sometimes conflict. See, you're just being like Jesus, right? When Jesus walked the earth, he wasn't a conformist. He didn't conform to the the society and the religious order then. He didn't do that. If you try to live by this book, you will be seen as a nonconformist too because you're going to be different than how the world sees things. So Gideon went out at night to tear down the altar and and to cut down that asteroid pole and he, and he did it in the darkness so no one would see them. Look at verse 28 and 30. In the morning, when the men of the town got up, there was Baal's altar demolished with the astral pole beside it, cut down, and the second bull sacrificed on the newly built altar. They asked each other, Who did this? When they carefully investigated they were told, Gideon, son of Joash, did it. The men of the town demanded of Joash, bring out your son. He must die because he has broken down Baal's altar and cut down the astral pole beside it. Wow. You know, you just picked that mob. Mob, just, just people, just all, oh, just angry mob out in front of, of, of the house of Joash. Angry mob in front of the house where Gideon was, 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 was just probably lying there knowing this was going to happen. And then Joash comes out. The father comes out wondering what's all the noise and he sees what his son has done and what happens? His heart gets pierced. It's almost like someone slapped him upside his head and said, what have you been doing? You've been worshiping this. Your son is showing you the way. And his, and his heart just changed. He repented. The whole idea of repenting is to change from going maybe this path without God and changing to this path with God. That's repentance. And maybe that's what some of you have to do. Maybe you've been going the wrong way. Maybe you're fading. 
Maybe you're, you're, you're going on the path of the apostasy, which is a falling away. You ever hear the, the, you ever hear the, 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 the phrase backslider? A backslider in faith. Uh, that, you know where that comes from? That comes from when they try to move cattle up a ramp into a truck, and the cattle resist, and you're pushing this, this calf or something up the ramp, and, the, and he's pushing back like this against you. That's backsliding. And that's, that's, that's how the term came about. And it deals with your spiritual attitude that you're resisting, or you're, you're not following God anymore. You're backsliding. And, and that's how the people of Israel were. They weren't backside. They were apostate. They had already fallen away. And here they see the son of Joash who did these things. And look what Joash's son, I mean, Gideon's father Joash said. Look at verse 31. He says, they want to kill his son. But Joash replied to the hostile group around him, are you going to plead Baal's cause? Are you trying to save him? Whoever fights for him shall be put to death by morning. If Baal is really a god, he can defend himself when someone breaks down his altar. So that day they called Gideon Jerobaal, saying, let Baal contend with him because he broke down Baal's altar. So in other words, Joash comes out, he sees what's happened, he immediately calms the crowd, takes the side of his son. And from that day forward, he walked with the Lord again. And see, from that day forward, what happened? God went before Gideon. And victory after victory after victory Gideon had over the Midianites. So here was this cowardly youngest son of a family that had turned away from God who became the leader, who became the judge over Israel at a time when it really needed a hero. So men... Let that inner warrior rise up, okay? And let us all remember that sometimes the best person to cause change is the person who sees the need for it. And God can use us in that way. Let's pray. Father, as we move forward in this world, Father, there's a lot of brokenness around us. And Father, you are always challenging us. You're always seeking. You're always looking for that person who's willing to stand up for you. So Father, help us to have hearts that are ready to do so. Little things that have to do with our immediate family, our community, our workplace. Or maybe big things where you're asking us to step forward into a place that we've never been before. So Father, help us to be that Gideon in your eyes. Help us to be that person who is willing to be that person at that time you want them. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.